You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Who are the Ood? What is Ood kind and what can geeks learn from them and their stories? Guys, this is Systematic Ecology. We are the priest to the geeks. I'm one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, who is emphatic to talk about one of Doctor Who's most interesting species arcs, in my opinion. Uh, we're talking about the Ood. If you know, you know. If you don't, um, check it out. We're not going to explain too much. We're going to just dive into the deep parts of all of this because it's a fun conversation to have. I'm here with, um, if you don't know, I- I'm the Josh with the bad opinions. So every now and then, to even out the episode, we bring in a Josh with good opinions this is Josh Rosengrant, a.k.a. the Josh with the Good Opinions. Thank you for joining me today, man. Oh, thanks for having me, as ever. Yeah, yeah, dude, this is uh, this is going to be exciting. This is going to be exciting. Um, before we get into it, so they know that we're truly geeks, what have you been geeking out on lately? Okay, so I got a, I found this new, I don't know, I guess, I guess you could call it an app. It's both for computer and for uh, Android that I've seen. And it is, it's oh, for is it playing Magic. I just learned about that, too. No, 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 no. That's a whole different problem for later. I'm joking. No. I'm joking. It's called Forge or Forge MTG or Card Forge, depending on where you're looking and when. But it's uh, it's basically you can play Magic against AIs and with uh, randomized card decks or like scenario decks or just test your decks that you're building. And it's I find it very useful. Fun. Yeah, my Magic app is just called Magic. So... <laughs> I'm still doing the old one, I guess. I, uh, I in the last two days, binge-watched Wednesday on Netflix. Did you? It How was it? so good. Like, so stinking good. I was pretty surprised. Until I started watching it, and early on, they, they blew my mind by showing the name Tim Burton. And I went, oh, so this is this is going to be legit. And, and it was. Yeah. Good old Tim Burton, man. <laughs> that legitimizes it a fair bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, come on. How long is he? So that being said, let's let's jump into this because this is uh, we're talking about an entire species, so it might take us a little bit of time. Um, yeah, the the ood ood kind. It is a species that was in show. It was first introduced in um, season two of New Who. If you don't know, Doctor Who was in two different parts. Most of it was classic Doctor Who. So back in the day, and then I think around two thousand ish, they started New Who. And that's when we first see the Ood. In the first episode I ever watched, our patrons are probably well aware of this, was um, Impossible Planet, followed by Satan's Pit. Is quite an introduction to that show. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our first patron exclusive was me, your brother-in-law, Joe, and Brandon, just specifically talking about those two episodes. Because they are definitely have the depth for further review, you know? Yeah, there's there's a lot going on in those two episodes. Oh yeah, yeah and, in, um, and the next time we wild. see them as well. Oh yeah, the the next time is really when you get a bulk of their story. The first time you see them, they're they're almost more plot device than they are actually. They characters. really are, and we'll and I guess we'll get into why because yeah. it's important. Yeah. Uh, it really is. It's crazy. So the first time we see them, they're basically just a collection of. What I, I find this offensive, even though it's in show, they they call them a cattle species, and you see a lot of them there, and they get more or less possessed by an alien type creature that Doctor Who never resolved whether or not that was Satan. 
So yeah, maybe, that, maybe they Satan, left that as an, they left that as an open uh, question. Yeah, uh, fascinating. I, I tend to believe it was an alien who you know we derive some mythology from, and that kind of has contributed to what humans think of as like their Satan mythology. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like in show. I think that's what it's supposed to be. But they never say. There's always the possibility that 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 was just Satan, and the doctor beat him. Yeah, <laughs> <More> <laughs> super <or less>. unclear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but we're not here to talk about Satan. Unfortunately, I know that's why people tune into their favorite Christian geek podcast to hear about Satan. <laughs> but not today. Today we're focusing on the Ood. Josh, what can you tell them about Ood kind? Yeah. So when when we see them, when we first see them in Possible Planet. They they show up at the very beginning of the episode. Uh, it's it's David Tennant's the Doctor. It's it's twelve or ten or eleven, depending on how the you best count. Doctor. Yeah, it's David <laughs> Tennant and Rose, the worst companion. Anyway, um, the best companion. I don't want to get into Rose. I will talk talk for a long time about how much I don't, I, I don't like Rose. Best. She is in my top five. She is great. But anyway. <laughs> Like I said, hey, as we know, Josh with the bad opinions, Josh with the good opinions, bro. This is yeah. bad. Anyway. There's actually another episode where Joe <laughs> and I rank our top, I think it was our top five companions. So oh, I do dear. explain why I like Rose, and Joe probably explains why both him and Josh don't like Rose. It is a very oh. contended subject among geeks. Go back and listen to that, because yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when we meet them there, they're used as a intro kind of stinger. They're they're pretty creepy looking, all things considered. They're roughly humanoid, but with large, really, f- really kind of almost disturbing fleshy tentacles coming out of their face. Yeah. Al- almost humanoid almost reminiscent of like mind flares from uh, from D&D mythos. Um, but then they also have a tube coming out of their face that leads to an orb they hold in their hands. And so they, they have a pretty funny intro, all, all things considered, where they're just like, we must feed, we must feed, we must feed, all in unison as they just all approach <laughs> our uh, our heroes. And they start freaking out, and then the intro rolls. And then the second the intro's done, they're like, they bonk their ball, and they're like, oh, sorry, that was a malfunction. We must feed you if you're hungry. <laughs> and it's like, ha we are, we are just a servant race, and we're here to help you. And that that that's how it starts out. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Hi, guys. And the show goes on. We get into the actual meat of the episode with the whole being on a planet orbiting a black hole which shouldn't work but it does um and it comes up later on um when they're just they they start discussing the ood because rose is curious about their nature and she asks so you guys get paid or something and they're like no we don't need that and then the guy one of the the humans in the episode just turns to them and was like oh yeah they're a basic slave race you know normal things and yeah understandably rose freaks out at that and the doctor kind of just is like (laughs) but (laughs) yeah largely speaking for for this whole arc that is ignored and they get possessed by the devil or whatever he is for a while and they're just a plot device yeah it ends up being later on and that's that's exactly it the the doctor is as he puts it later is, is was a little busy and didn't actually deal with that and so two seasons later in season four, we get the episode Planet of the Ood, where once again, um, the doctor, now with Donna, not Rose, um, has just hit the random button, basically, on, on the TARDIS. And I'm like, all right, let's see where we end up. He ends up on what's called the Planet of the Ood or the Ood Sphere. And 
this is where they find out the true nature of the Ood, and we really go into it, and the Doctor gets kind of his second chance to actually uh, help the Ood. Yeah, so along with some of what you were just talking about, um, the orb, interesting thing. Uh, it's sort of a second brain, depending on what kind of Ood you're looking at. So, And this is like, you kind of have to pay attention here. Naturally, on their own, they have two brains. They have the front brain, and then they have their hind brain, which is like what connects them to the hive mind. And that comes out with like a little umbilical cord and then a little ball-like thing. But humans and other jerks decided to remove that ball and replace it with a translation orb. And that's when you see the white one in like a solid tube. Then it's been replaced and they're basically being treated as slaves. And if it looks like a umbilical cord and like a natural kind of orb looking thing, that is like the hive mind connection. Um, The reason they replace it, humans do, is so that you can basically control the hive mind. So now instead of being connected to the planet of the Oove hive mind thing that we're about to get into... They're connected to your translation orb and your Ood all think in one unison, whatever you want them to think. So basically when Satan or whoever it was uh, possessed them, it was like hacking into the translation orbs. A little bit. That's the best way I could think. But they also talk a lot about how the Ood are, at least at least for normal creatures, very, very telepathic, very, very psychic. That's that's one of their big sticks. Yeah, that's their whole form of communications like hive mind using their mm-hmm. hind mind to communicate telepathically all that kind of stuff right yeah and so it and is, that gets into the plane of the Ood stuff it is and it, it also they definitely are leaning towards the explanation that the the possession is entirely psychic i think more than really a hacking thing but that they're but they were using yeah. technology to curb their psychic tendencies um c- by cutting yeah. off their yeah. little it's just it's little hard mind. to explain it it, it is it's it, like a like a like telepathic psyche it's like soul hack it was a soul hack yeah i don't know man they're weird creatures well the actual ood sphere the planet of the ood um hat contains one giant brain which was the central hive brain of all of the ood and so they the doctor eventually realized that man they must there must be a third brain and he was right there was this giant brain at the center of the planet <laughs> and so effectively all ood's have three brains and they share one of them and use the other two to connect to it yeah well the, the front brain is like that's their own self and like thought and stuff and then their hind brain that they're holding in their hand is like how they communicate and how they connect to their third brain which is how they're like all think in unison yep. which they kind of get severed from whenever humans do that thing where they remove it and replace it with the translation orb. Not, but it, it seems like not totally though. They do. They do a little bit. And then um, not only that though, they actually went down to the, the mega brain. Um, I'm going to call it the elder brain to uh, fitting with my earlier huh. illithid analogy. Um, they go to the sure. elder brain and surround it with these electromagnetic pylons which dampen its its psychic field even more. So it can't even communicate with hardly any of them, really. Yeah. And that gets so there's two parts of the planet of the Ood stuff. Um, and I don't remember what part of this is like just Ood lore and what part of this is in the episode. Luckily, Josh has watched it recently, so he can he can help with some of the placing of where the story takes place. Mm-hmm. But humans more or less didn't meet the Ood until the 39th century. And of course, being a huge Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fan, I love that it wasn't to the 42nd century is when humans really started enslaving them. And it said that every human except for one owned an Ood 
as like a servant kind of deal. Do you know who the one who refused to own an Ood was in the 42nd century? No. Jack Harkness. Of course it is. Yeah, of course, right? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> the face of uh face of Bo, right? Yep, eventually. <laughs> so yeah, so the 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 with the owning of the Ood thing, it's interesting because in the initial episode, the one in um uh, the black at the black hole, the impossible planet, that it that is set in the forty second yeah. century. And they're all just like, Oh yeah, just the Ood, very casually. Whereas <laughs> if we go yeah, we all have one. backwards in time in the world and forwards in the seasons of the show, because, you know, time travel, it's fun uh, to the plan of the Ood episode. At that point, their production is really just in the, in kind of the middle point where they're just announcing uh, Ood as a commodity that you can buy. And it actually gets to the point where they explain there's actually a, how should I call it? A, a resistance group of sorts called the friends of the Ood which are humans, which are sympathetic to the plate of the Ood, which work against the rest of them. And it's actually how the whole thing gets resolved for the episode's conflict. One of the friends of the Ood managed to maneuver his way into the, the company that's selling the Ood and more or less weaken the field surrounding the big brain to the point where it could break through. And he conspires with the Ood to take out the head of the uh, corporation as well. But they do it in Man, a very yeah. interesting way because the Ood are naturally pacifists. And the mm -hmm. doctor kind of explains it as, well, they have to be. They they hold their brain in their hands and they can't they have to trust anyone they run into, basically. But the way they mm. decide to you're going to love to hear about Brian. Oh, I bet I am. <laughs> but the, the way they decide to deal with this man, um, they he has an obsession with his his hair that's falling out. And so he drinks hair tonic religiously. And so what they do is that they they switched out his hair tonic with they, they explained it once, but it's basically Ood cells and stuff. And over the course of years, yeah. he just is chugging this stuff and he fills the brim with it. But he's still a human until he goes down to the brain to blow it up because everything's going wrong for uh, basically for the because of the plot. And then he basically is he, he gets yeah. kind of whammied. He's just like, whoa, I. I can't kill. I can't kill you. I can't kill everyone else. And then he just rips his face off and is an Ood now. <laughs> Do you know another human that became an Ood? Is it Brian? This is one of my favorite Ood fun facts. No, 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 no. Brian was always an Ood. He was weird. Albert Einstein at one point is on the TARDIS and becomes an Ood. What? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like the doctor just brought Albert Einstein along for something. He decided to drink some kind of liquid or something that the doctor had in the TARDIS. I don't remember why. And Einstein turns into an Ood for a little bit. Well, that's interesting. No, yeah, no where the most random thing. Like, I don't remember anything other than just that exists. And I'm like, that's. Do you remember where fun. you learned you this? No, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Unfortunately, there's so much like Doctor Who, like rattling around in my head. I'm like, it could have been a book or an audio book or a comic. Yeah, but it, but it exists. <laughs> well, you teased you teased me right before we came on the air with something called Brian the Ood. And you said said something along those lines lines of it be the most interesting ood i've never heard of and i i now tell me please tell me more brian might be now that i've really been like rethinking about it for this episode brian might be my favorite character that's not like doctor who character that's canon but not in the show and here's why brian wasn't ood uh do you know who the order of oberon is the, the order of oberon 
doesn't yeah, doesn't I, ring a bell. No. I don't fully remember. It's kind of like it's in my head. It had something to do with like Ood Rebellion kind of whatever thing. Nope. Anyway, they had some plan to help the Ood kind of rise back up, whatever. And part of their plan was like, hey, we're just going to remove the hind brains and replace it with our thing like we do, you know, and train Ood to be assassins. Oh, right. Because, <laughs> you know, Ood are typically nonviolent. Super yeah. weird. So, Brian, I think Brian's the first one they try to do this with. Something about how they disattach it caused him to go just a little bit crazy. He ends up killing all of the Order of Oberon. <laughs> so that's a thing. At some point, in his, he just snaps. Um, River Song writes about him and says, I'm pretty sure he's bipolar. <laughs> so yeah. he definitely had some mental health issues because, you know, they removed his brain for a little bit. Well, for always. They tried to replace it with something else. But they removed his brain, you know, like. Or at least part <laughs> that, of That it, affects yeah. your mental health a little. Yeah. Um, so so he's like a little bit crazy, trained to be an assassin. The first place he shows up is He Kills Me, He Kills Me Not, an audiobook with the eighth doctor. Fantastic stuff. So technically, I think the first time the doctor runs into an ood would then be as the eighth doctor. But That's- that happens chronologically after. Like for us, it happens afterwards. You know what I mean? Th- that's very strange. Some of the audiobooks were made later on. They definitely go like, oh, yeah, this is the first time the Doctor has seen an Ood in the episode. Yeah, <laughs> the, I think it was a little bit of retcon. A little bit. A little bit. But, but uh, not, not there's an explanation. Though. He doesn't remember Brian because he runs into Brian again as the 10th Doctor later on, but he doesn't remember him. Hmm. And I can't remember why. But yeah, so the he kills me, he kills me not. It's sort of like space Western for some reason. And I you have that. Brian the Ood, who's like an assassin, who's a little bit crazy. Who's got these telepathic abilities to communicate without communicating. So he's always quiet, always silent, which, you know, pretty good thing to be if you're an assassin. And uh, yeah, he's uh, that story is fantastic. He shows back up later on with the 10th Doctor. And at some point, him and the Doctor go on a bunch of different missions together. They fight like an army of like ghosts at some point. And yeah, Brian says that the Doctor is the closest thing he's ever had to a friend. So it wasn't just like some tiny part of his life. Like he's in two or three books. He's in the audio book. He's in a comic book. Comic. uh, It's Tales of the Dark Times because he guides the doctor through. If you're familiar with some of the audio books and other books, there's like the dark times or something. The 10th Doctor and River Song and a bunch of other of our characters we usually talk about deal with. But yeah, he was the doctor's guide through the darkness. And he is this ex-assassin Ood who's no longer connected to the hive mind because he went through something truly traumatic. And uh, yeah, just a really fascinating character that he he just exists, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it it sounds like a very interesting character. And it it made me think even more. I I realized um, when I said something earlier, I said it offhand and then realized, wait a minute, that's actually interesting because... The first time I watched this, I, I wasn't uh, a big D&D player. I didn't have a lot of the D&D lore rattling around in my head. But now that I do, I realize there there's a lot of parallels between these guys and the Mind Flayers, the Illithid in D&D. That might explain why. <laughs> so my connection with them, what I always associate them with, this is really weird. But we've done an episode before about Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. It was the old cartoon that's no longer canon in Toy Story World, whatever, where Buzz Lightyear and some people, it was my first sci-fi introduction, really. It was a cartoon. 
Buzz Lightyear and some friends doing space stuff. The very first movie show, whatever of it involves them and the little green men. You, you know, you remember them from, from the original Toy Story. Yep. And they are all connected to a hive mind and they do the we are one. <laughs> so their whole deal is like there is a big mind on their planet that Zerg tries to, you know, contaminate because they're all connected to this big mind on their planet. And that's how they are connected to one another. And I'm like, that is literally the planet of the Ood. But it happened first. Well, I think I think I've got the I've definitely got something even older, I believe, with the with the mind flares. Because maybe they both pulled from the same thing. Yeah, it seems like that these guys might be source material or there's some other source material out there that neither of us know about. And that's really what bo- all three of them pulled from. But with the mind flares, cool. that, that that is basically their whole thing. They they have a, a look kind of similar to the Ood in the tentacly face nonsense, but they're a little bit more eldritch looking and creepy. I think usually purple. Hmm. Um, and but. they are very psychic. They're very telepathic the telekinetic they actually eat brains uh rather than having one hmm. coming out of their face they put them into their face um and not only is that they're a hive mind that are connected through one giant central brain called the elder brain which effectively mind controls nice. all of them and if you break them away from their hive they will get their own personality and not necessarily be evil anymore maybe so not to go off on a tangent but uh so oh we never is stranger things version of the mind flare just just not not it oh no nowhere near i i've only seen a little bit of the stranger things stuff <laughs> okay but that's cool basically my understanding both all of the all the D stuff they they reference like so mind flare uh what they have vecna and demogorgon demogorgon yeah those three things basically the kids know them from they know those names from the game and they just use those names to refer to these entities they're interacting with. They aren't anything like the actual in-game lore versions of those entities for the most part. Okay, cool. So there's, there's a lot of depth to this topic of the Ood in their story arc. Um, one thing that we, we keep talking about this hive mind. So I want to go ahead and go there because I know it's a question you're interested in. Why is assimilation always depicted as evil, right? Like the Ood all being one. No, they need to be free. Or, you know, I feel like the Borg is the classic example of this in Star Trek of, you know, you're going to become one with us kind of deal. It's even scarier. But why is it always seen as bad? Well, there's actually kind of a counter depiction of that in Planet of the Ood, because the whole problem is that they're being controlled and isolated by the humans with the with their little spheres that they remove they replace their brains with and by dampening the brain field and the whole episode the the ood keep shouting randomly the circle must be broken and like the ood must be free and and everyone's kind of confused until they find oh the circle of pylons that are uh, circling the brain and stopping them from interacting with the, the hive mind and the resolution of the episode is that they break the pylons and free the ood and the Ood once again join together in union in this hive mind and all begin to sing from joy mentally. Like they, they just pro- project singing the song of the Ood. It's called. Yeah, I like that singing is like really what what breaks the chain for them. Um, and and there, there's a lot of like Christian and other religion thought behind that, too. Love the power of music, the power of singing. Um, but yeah, I I got to think. And you kind of see it in this. I feel like this is a good way to view this is through the story of the Ood. But there is this thing 
like churches, right? There's this thing of we are all meant to be one together, y'all, that kind of stuff. And it is not a bad thing to be one. But then there's kind of like, what is the difference of that in a cult? And to me, this is just my opinion. I'll see what you think about this. I feel like the big difference is who is controlling? Are you all one because you want to be together? And yes, you have different personalities, whatever, but you all want to be together. Or are you all one because there's some kind of hero that you're all looking up to or someone who's manipulating everybody and controlling people? You know what I mean? Like, I think it really has to do with the source. Is it collective? We all want to be together. Or is it someone manipulating, pulling strings behind the curtain kind of deal? I mean, I think that's pretty fair because that's where we get like, as you mentioned earlier, the Borg, they assimilate you by force. Um, we also have like the old mm. uh, also in Doctor Who, we have the, the Cybermen that would just run around and take humans and yeah. turn them into Cybermen. You must be upgraded. Upgraded is compulsory. It's not a choice. <laughs> yeah, they're great. Yeah, I. It, it's just it's an interesting concept because. I do think it has a lot to do with motive. And I I can even see where as a non-Christian, where it's actually kind of scary. You know, I've heard people talk about it, like Christians all talk the same, all that kind of stuff. And to a certain extent, some of that's going to exist because we share in one God and that God is this agape love and we have the same, you know, set of principles. But I think there's this uniqueness that we have to hold on to because God wants us to be unique and he made us as us. As opposed to some churches who have like a leader who says, no, it's all about the numbers and bringing people in. In order to do that, you guys need to say this and do this. And you guys need to say this and do that. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for unity with individuality. Because in some ways, that seems very counterintuitive. Like if if you're too individualistic, your unity will shatter. And yeah, if you're too individualistic, uh, you know, it is somewhat of a balance. As, as, As we as we end up finding a lot of times, there is a balance that needs to be struck. Um, but I don't, I can't help, but just see a comparison and I, you gotta help me out with this. Tell, tell me if I'm just seeing this or maybe, I don't know, maybe this is some sort of, some sort of heresy almost, but it makes me think of the Trinity. Oh, we just, love heresies. <laughs> yeah, I know. It makes me think of the Trinity, perfect union and yet three distinct somethings. Yeah. Like they're different parts of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. I think I think if there was to be a litmus test kind of deal, it would be what is unifying you and why are you unified kind of deal? You know what I mean? As and that is, you know, good markers. If you're unified through God and love and sharing of this passion of a thing together, you know, C.S. Lewis talks about friendship that way. And he's like, even if it's buttons, that's what friendship is. You see a truth. I see a truth. We share in that truth together. And I think what the opposite looks like, if you're looking for it, much like the pylons around the hive mind, you'll have pastors or something creating these traditions, creating these rules with the church that you have to kind of get to before you can get to God. You know, maybe they won't word it that way, but, you know, there's stuff like this of all these different extra rules, extra, well, you know, real Christians don't drink, real Christians, blah, real Christians, you know, and, and, you know, if you're going to be a good Christian, you need to come to Wednesday nights too. You need to do this. And if our church is going to succeed, then we can't talk like that. All of these extra rules and extra stuff, I think, serve as, and this is me being the cheesy youth pastor, but they serve as those pylons that are getting in the way of our connection to the thing that truly should be unifying us. Are we are we going to accept my cheesy youth youth pastor analogy? I don't have I don't have a good a good counter analogy, so I, I suppose that's the one we're going with. Yeah, there we go. That's what we got. <laughs> so be careful of what's unifying you and who's trying to control that and put obstacles in the way. Moving on. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> Another interesting aspect of the oud, which is equally as weighty, in my opinion, maybe more weighty, and this might just be me. So I, I got to see if you had this experience too. The way they walk you through the story of the oud challenges your thinking on slavery and servitude because they you don't know at first that they're not actually a slave race. They really do just throw it out there like, oh, yeah, no, the oud, they're meant to be servants. They're cattle species. This is what this species is like. And when you're living in worlds like Doctor Who and Star Trek, you kind of do accept some stuff on face value. Like, OK, so some species are just like this. Yeah, and, and then I think the, was challenging the Ood me. themselves in the episode respond, "Oh yeah, this is what we want. We know nothing. We there's like we and they the character state. Yeah, if you don't give them any orders, they kind of just shrivel up and die. And they we are like, yes, we live yeah. to serve. And you just kind of accept that, and mm-hmm. it makes sense when you're talking about aliens. You don't know any better. And then you start realizing what's actually going on two years later when they do the playing of the Ood, and you're like, oh man, I just accepted the fact that these people were being treated this way." And that should never be the case. And yeah, there was no way of you knowing because they were an alien species. But that does track with my mind back to how we treated other humans, right? Like, oh, no, these humans are less than like that is actually what happened in real time with real life. And I realized, oh, yeah, my brain did that same thing where I saw a species I didn't know and went, oh, yeah, no, no, they're they're okay, cool. They're slaves. That's what they're supposed to be. That's scary. (laughs) You know, it is a little. And in in the episode, uh, I think I think it's. Yeah, it's it's in the second the second episode. It's in Planet of the Ood, where Donna sees them being treated as slaves and is just horrified from the get go. And the doctor kind of looks at her and is like, "Yeah, but who made your clothes?" Mm. Yeah, and that's something in America to get a little spicy. You know, we we all have certain ideas of our values and stuff. And then you, all of a sudden you start seeing crops and stuff go up in the grocery stores because we're handling these issues. We're all so concerned about and then who's really that concerned about the issue. That's, that's the question, right? I mean, once you see the price going up because of, you know, illegal immigrant labor barely being cracked down on, are you still equally as concerned after you have to pay more for your food? Yep. And the kind of, it's rough <laughs> implicit, um, I don't, not cooperation, but implicit acceptance we kind of have with a lot of a lot of our a lot of ex, uh, exporting, importing with countries with of very less than less than moral labor laws and practices yeah. that we're just kind of like, oh, well, you know, that's their that's their business. We just going to profit off it. Yeah. Uh, and, and every now and then it goes too far, right? Like the whole world right now is paying the price for cutting Russia off. And some of us are really questioning, are we sure we want to do this? This is, you know, this is hurting me personally. Yeah. And it, it is, it's rough. It is. It's like, it is actually difficult. Not that it's hard to know what is right and what is wrong, but sometimes it is hard to do the right thing, even if you know what it is. It's true. And when you see the personal cost. Sometimes you go, well, I like this in theory, but now it's, like, it's easy to look away when you know how much it's going to cost you. Yeah. And, you know, what's Jesus say? Count the cost, pick up your cross and follow me. Mm -hmm. When you really think about what that means, picking up your cross, man, do you really want to you really want to do that or you want to put that off to later? Yeah, you know, Jesus didn't when he said pick up his cross, he didn't mean for me to go through this. He says, God wants me to be happy. You know, that was just. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I feel like people don't think Jesus really meant what he said. <laughs> like, ah, he kind of did, though. They're like they just interpret the meaning right out of it. Yeah, like we we will find loopholes and ways that this doesn't quite apply to our situation or doesn't quite mean this because it's kind of inconvenient for us. 
And it's not even like a direct, I don't think anyone's intentionally saying, well, I don't like that Jesus did this. So let me do some stuff to make it mean something else. I, I don't think anyone's intentionally doing that, but I do think just like we do with our food and different things, our subconscious wants to find a way to justify it. And when you want to find a way to justify it, you will. Yep. And that's where you really got to check your soul. Like uh, David in the Old Testament, and we're getting really Christian on this one, but you, <laughs> David in the Old Testament, you know, he's prayed. He's like, God, tell me what you see wrong in me. He's like, if there's anything in me that shouldn't be there, let me know so I can fix that. And really, that's that's what this comes down to, because none of us, none of us are the person who goes, yeah, I'm not paying 10 cent more for my bananas just because of someone wants to be slave labor. None of us thinks that way. But all of us want to justify letting some things happen because it keeps costs down. And this is something that's this is not it is political, but it is not one side or the other per se. Like, yeah, conservatives are typically the ones that are like, oh, immigration. But, you know, I've literally heard Denver, like more liberal people on the news say, well, you wouldn't want to do these jobs. Excuse me. That's an OK. Like, that's an appropriate thing to say on the air. Like, really? Yeah. So everyone is guilty of this. I'm not throwing stones at one side or the other. I'm throwing it at myself and everyone else included. We look the other way on, you know, maybe it's not slave labor, but on some some pretty dicey labor choices. Yep. Yeah. How much stuff do you have that says made in China? Probably a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 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 Josh, let me ask you, do you think everyone who has something that says made in China is now going to hell? I, I, uh, hey, well. I'll, I'll give you this. <laughs> no more than they already were. Don't you we're love going doing to. podcasts with me? Uh, I do. You're always fun yeah. to go with. No more than they already were. Every, there, no one. No one's free of sin. I've heard that somewhere before. Yeah, I. Think. I but uh, yeah, it's true. It's true. I don't think God is looking for once you become a Christian, you have to be perfect. I do think He's looking for you searching out His heart, following what it means to to be love, and doing your best. So if that means you have some stuff made in China now, but you're going to look next time and try not to do that, you're doing great, man. You know? <laughs> yeah. God is more relational and he's more about the journey, I, I believe, than he is exactly where you're at right now. I think if you are as close to God as any human has ever been in your actions, but you're not trying to get closer to him, I don't think you're better off than someone who is in complete and utter dirt bag who is doing his very best to get closer to God. I'd agree. I think God's more concerned with how much do you want him and to how much do you want to be better? You know, we're, we're, we're talking about the labor policies and everything. And it makes me think of something my economics teacher once asked us in class. He, he asked us, uh, let me see if I can think of how exactly how he phrased it. So we would, we would generally say, Oh, sweatshops are a bad thing. You know, you've got, Poor yes. people and or children working in some, in some remote country for, you know, next to nothing. And we're like, yeah, yeah, that's, we, yeah, we all agree. So we should close them down, right? And we're like, well, yeah, that, make, that makes sense. And it's like, so you have these people who, in this case, are actively choosing to work here because they get an amount of money, even if it's not, even if we all agree that it's not enough. Is clo Does closing it actually solve the issue or does it just make them go from a very poor job to no job. And after they have actively chosen to, to work here. Yeah. Well, and if we're, if we're going to be layering nuance on all of this, yeah. let me also throw out, there's the trolley problem, right? Oh, you're not the directly problem. doing this, but there's the philosophical problem of 
if a train is going to hit five people, but you could pull a lever and it'll only hit one, do you choose to pull the lever or is that you murdering that one person? And it is a it is an issue because by doing nothing, you didn't murder those five, but five people died because you didn't do anything. Yep. And there's all kinds of different variations of this to make you think deeper about it. Oh, yeah. You can just be like, and one of them is a relative and, you know, this, that, the other thing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you know one person and you don't know other. Maybe the five are inmates and then the one person is the president of the United States. <laughs> you know, like there's a hundred different things that they could do here. Or one's the Pope even. Yeah. Um, but I think in this situation, the question a lot of times comes down to, do we want a handful of people to be doing basically slave labor or do we want hundreds of people to suffer because they can't afford food? Yep. You get some uh, real nuance, some real sticky. I don't like stuff. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable and it, it should be. Yeah. And I would like everyone to sit in that uncomfortableness. And after you sit in it, check out, <laughs> this is a, this is like the world's worst work. <laughs> like oh, an is... ood thing to say. It is oh. a very goofy comic oh, no. book with the 11th Doctor. The 11th Doctor has like a handful of ouds on the TARDIS with him. And for some reason, apparently it's in the ood hive mind that they like the 10th Doctor better and decide that they need to repeatedly tell the 11th Doctor that they like the 10th better. <laughs> and they just kind of antagonize him for no reason. That is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And it's also funny because I'm like, I agree. And I know that the person who wrote this is like trolling me for being the person who's like, oh, the 10th is better all the time. But also for, for the for the sake of wrong. clarity, when you say 10th and 11th, you're referring to Tennant and Smith, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. David Tennant as the 10th and Matt Smith as the 11th. OK, because we don't yeah, even have to get into how that numbering system is completely broken. Yeah, the war doctor, the uh, the what's it, the the child, whatever, all that other stuff. Yeah, the war doctor it's, and yeah. the, the fact that right Tenet turns back into himself once with the regeneration yeah. makes the counting. And now that Tenet's going to be fourteen, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So but that makes Tenet now number eleven, twelve, and I think sixteen in regeneration order. Yeah, he's what? Oh, technically, technically, yes. yes. Because, but, but if you're if you're talking about <laughs> the eleventh Doctor, most people think you're talking about Matt Smith. They do, and it, it it's like oh, so. the when they when they made the special that introduced the War Doctor, they they made all of the numbering confusing and yeah. even well, worse because he didn't did consider himself the Doctor. The way that like yeah, the Doctor who officially him. counts it, they don't count him. They count him as the War Doctor and move on. And ten, it is ten, and even though that's not technically right, yep, that's how they like. Do their count is ten. It's ten, and now fourteen, which is which is why. So now even the technical version is confusing. <laughs> yep, it's so bad because then you have then you have Matt Smith, who we call eleven, but is the thirteenth uh, incarnation, which is why he's the last because because yeah. you because you get twelve regenerations plus your initial form as a as a uh, time lord. Of course, until you don't because yeah, plot unless reason. you're <laughs> yeah. Um, or unless you're like the child and you're the reason that time Lords exist at all. And all this weird backstory that they like retconned in recently is super odd, very odd stuff. Yeah, that's new on me. But, I'll admit, but I haven't seen much past Capaldi. If you want to sit, <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't see much past Capaldi. I know, but now, but now tenants coming back. So I'm probably going to go sit through all of, all of Capaldi and Whitaker's runs just to see, catch up. Yeah. Capaldi, Capaldi did a great job. The show got a little choppy. Capaldi was great. Jodie okay. Whittaker, I think, could have been good if whoever was writing the show wasn't trying to write the absolute worst thing that any TV writers ever wrote. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
it wasn't actually that bad, but it was so bad. Like it was incoherent. It was boring. Somehow they did a pirate story and I was bored. How do you do pirates and aliens thinking about me, me, the pirate guy watching his favorite show that also has pirates and is bored? That, yeah, that sounds pretty bad if they could do that. You gotta, you gotta try to mess that up. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. We are not here (laughs) to just slam Chris Chibnall. We are here to thank everyone for listening. Um, Hope you guys think deeply about assimilation and where your labor and your products are coming from and what that means ethically for you and what your moral and theological duty is. Uh, I said duty. And with that. Oh, dear. (laughs) Do you have any other thing you want to add? Uh, hope you got hope all of our listeners enjoyed our uh, rather more theological and I mean we definitely got a much much more higher degree of Christian themes than we uh, than we often do today's episode and we still ignored the fact that the devil is just casually there yeah we we brushed off the devil and still managed to do 50 50 <laughs> theology and nerd stuff yep it's uh I don't know how we pulled whew. that off but uh so uh, Satan may or may not be real. With that, guys, we are come to our wrap up. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But we are. We are at our wrap up time. We are going to give you some recommendations, send you on your merry, happy way and uh, wish you the best for me with my recommendation. <laughs> you know what? I know I just said it, but I'm going to I'm going to remind everybody. My recommendation is to read the comic an Ood thing to say. And just watch some Oods troll the 11th Doctor. It's hilarious. It's stupid and silly and just great. Sounds good. For my recommendation, see, it's hard. I mean, I do want to just say Doctor Who because now I just restarted <laughs> watching Doctor Who. Uh, so, yeah, watch that. As we know, it's good. And, and all the Ood episodes are very fantastic and a lot creepier than I remember them being when I watched them the first time. Yeah. Ood are creepy. What's funny is I almost was like my favorite villain. I'm like, Ood aren't even bad guys. They're just creepy. They're just usually possessed into being villains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're just possessed a lot. <laughs> so I guess for I guess my uh, my recommendation for me this week will be Demon Slayer. We've talked about it before on the show when we mm-hmm. do anime episodes and I've been watching through it with my girlfriend and oh, it is so good. It's so good. And I'm only like halfway through season one and I'm already just I love the show. Yeah. Fantastic. Nice. And he has good opinions. So, you know, you can trust that. <laughs> yes. And if you don't, you can you can still go back and ask TJ and Kino back in some of our previous anime episodes. And I believe both of them recommend it highly, too. So. I'm almost certain that y'all are going to talk about Demon Slayer again. It's just it's going to happen. Yeah. When they release the next season, I bet we'll do an episode. That's my bet. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Especially now that we're doing our what's news thing. True. New for now, new guys, format. I'm going to leave you all with uh, the recommendation to go to systematicgeekology.org. Go to the host tab. You can see both of Josh's there. Click on it. It'll tell you some stuff about us, show you all the other, all the episodes that we've been a part of with this show and everything else we've been a part of. Um, you know, my show, The Whole Church Podcast, has some stuff over there just so you guys can see what else I do. And um, you can also, on the website, go to... Uh, I forget what the tab's called, but you can leave us some recommendations of what you think we should be geeking out on or just to let us know what you have been geeking out on. And we'd like you all to remember that we're all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests.
This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazao Ministries podcast network.